0: Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. Have you ever considered the power of speech? Think about it. How many sayings we use to talk about misspeaking foot in the mouth, mouth off, loud mouth. Yet our words can be incredibly life giving. We can build someone up, encourage someone who is lonely, or speak a blessing over a friend. Even what we say to ourselves has the power to become our identity. Join us for a new series on speech as we learn how our talk can align with what God says. Let's talk.
1: We're in a series, and today is our last part of this series. If you're here for the first time, the good news is it's all online. You can go and catch it. Uh, But this is our final part, our fourth part. The series has simply been about what we say, so we're calling it Let's Talk. It's about our words, the, the power of our words, or the power our words are supposed to have. Matter of fact... The whole first part of the series was about the fact that God spoke everything in the creation. Jesus spoke and people were healed, and then we're made in his image, right? And so the Bible tells us that the power of life and death is in the tongue. So the good news is that means our our word is supposed to be powerful, and it means that God takes our word seriously. The bad news is maybe we don't take our word seriously. And so part one was just understanding the power that our words are supposed to have and maybe how to reclaim some of that if we've lost some of it. And then we shifted gears in parts two and three because again, if, well, if the power of life and death is in the tongue, we want to talk about how we can speak life and speak less death. And so in part two, we really talked about how our words affect other people. And uh, we, we, we understood that our words are actually supposed to be a gift from God to people. They're supposed to be faith Uh, building, destiny creating, and identity affirming. And I hope those three labels will stick with you as you begin to talk to other people and have conversations, even when they're hard and tough, honest conversations, that we can still do those three things in people's lives. And then for part three last week, we had one of our oversight team members and good friend of mine, Ben Goodman, came and shared how every day all around us, it is so normal for us to have gossip and slander is just a part of our everyday talking, and don't raise your hand, but uh, I, I know many of us, uh, myself included, as I'm listening to him preach, just going, oh, i do that, uh-oh, you know, having those little moments of like, uh, I didn't realize, and it's just so common for us, and so that was one of the ways we learned we're speaking a lot of death, and it'd be really great if we switched from speaking death and started speaking life, and uh, matter of fact, people say things that are so hurtful that we've come up with a little phrase uh, here uh, that, that we say that we hope is going to somehow shake off the effects of, of the negative things people say to you. Y'all, y'all have heard this, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I just want to make sure y'all know that's a lie, right? Y'all all know that's a lie? Matter of fact, the truth is you've been hurt by sticks and stones, and those bruises and injuries hold long before many of the things that have been said to you. Some of the things that have been said to us, they still hurt even today. And, uh, you know, I I think one of the best ways that you can live life with a smile is to learn to ignore and discount the words of ungodly negative talk that people are throwing at you. After all, we just sing this song, I am who God says I am. I mean, so when somebody in your life is trying to tell you something other than what God says about you, I think one of the best things you can do is say, I am not listening to that because that is not who I am. But you wanna know the truth? Most of the, the hurtful Speech that we hear about ourselves doesn't come from other people. It comes from us. Most of the damaging talk is self-talk. We say things to ourselves and tear ourselves down and we hurt ourselves and it stays around. Even if you try to get rid of it, it's just there. And so we're going to close out the series today talking about the power of our own words to us. Because our self-talk can really determine the course of our lives. Matter of fact, I'm going to share a psalm with you. It's something that David put in the psalms, but it was a prayer, and I think it, this it reveals to us why this is so important. Because this was his prayer. He said, "May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord." So he understood the power of words. God, may the words that come out of my mouth that I speak to other people, the things that I say about people and about my circumstances, because, you know, people complain, people whine, people gossip, people slander. God, may the words of my mouth be pleasing. But he knew that wasn't enough because it wasn't just the words out of his mouth about people and circumstances. It was the words that stayed inside that were also a problem. Y'all know all of our words are not always out loud, right? Right? And so David... I had to add into this prayer. May the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. May my self-talk be something that pleases you, God. And so uh, the reason that I think David really was was saying this prayer is because of his own life. He had seen the damage of self-talk. And I'm just going to share one example of this with you because there were a lot in Scripture as I went and looked, and I, I decided the one that David uh, was speaking over his life was, was one of the best examples because David was the one who had just uttered this prayer. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me. We're gonna look at 1 Samuel chapter 27. And while you're turning there, I'm gonna give you the backstory because we're, we're gonna be further along in David's life. Matter of fact, we're gonna be at a point where David is a, a, a man, not, not a young boy. We're gonna back up in just a second. He's got people following him and he's kind of got his own little army. But we're gonna go back in time When David was a young boy, God sent the prophet Samuel to tell him, you are going to be the next king of my people. There had only been one king before. His name was Saul, and he turned out to not be a very good king. And God says, I'm going to replace you with this young boy. And so Saul wants David around him because David had God's presence with him. And it was amazing. He would play music. It would be calming. And so Saul kind of was going crazy at one point, and Saul tried to get this David to come and play music and, and then he would be better off. But then Saul kind of goes crazy and tries to kill David and God protects him. And then Saul tries to kill him again and God protects him. And, and and so David kept going through some, well, honestly, some crazy circumstances. Okay, and so here's where we pick up the story way later in, in time. And in chapter 27, notice what happens. David said to himself, problem number one, David is having his own conversation, self-talk. He's telling himself what he thinks. He used to just be in the, the fields as a shepherd and, and writing most of what we have is psalms today and, and songs. And the Bible tells us he was a man after God's own heart. He used to talk to God a lot. And now David has found himself in some situations that he doesn't wanna be in and he's talking to himself. And the problem is when we talk to ourselves, our self-talk leads to beliefs and those beliefs always lead to actions. So watch this right here. David said to himself, one of these days now I will be swept away by the hand of Saul. This is after Saul's tried to kill him twice. But he's been protected both times. And that talk leads to something he believes. There is nothing better for me than to escape to the land of the Philistines. Just to make sure everybody here understands the story, God's people are the Israelites. Their sworn and most hated enemies are the Philistines. And David has decided to tell himself that he's got to go and and, and go away and and that he believes he's gonna be better off being amongst his enemies than amongst his own people. And his belief, well, it leads to action. He says, then Saul will stop searching for me all over Israel and I will slip out of his hand. And so he did. So David set out with his 600 men and went to Achish, son of Maok, the king of Gath. He left. Don't miss this. The future appointed king of God's people leaves God's people to go and live among their enemies all because of his self-talk. He believes he needs to protect himself. Apparently, God won't, all because of his self-talk, even though God had protected him time and time again. He believed he couldn't trust God with his future, all because of his self-talk. Even though God was the one who had said, you'll be the next king, God was the one who gave him the strength and talent to kill Goliath. God was the one who highly favored him, but his self-talk says, no, 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 I can't trust God with his future, my future. And he actually even goes to war against his own people with their sworn enemies, the Philistines, which, by the way, When you go to war against your own people with your enemies, you blow any chance you ever have of becoming the next king. Fortunately though, his enemies didn't trust him. And so as he sets out to battle, they look and go, "Uh, excuse me, you think you're coming with us? We're pretty sure in the midst of this battle, you're gonna stab us in the back. No, 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 you stay home. His self-talk led him to go and fight against his own people. And it took God once again, protecting him by causing his enemies not to trust him. So I have a question for you. What has God planned for you that you have maybe put in jeopardy because of your self-talk? You see, our self-talk is dangerous. We say things to ourselves that don't necessarily come from the voice of God. So actually, I've got a very simple piece of advice for us today. Be careful listening to yourself. Be careful listening. Listening to yourself. Because there's actually some dangers with our self-talk. There are some things that are true. And so I just want to walk you through some truths about self-talk because we are always talking to ourselves. Anybody in here can think of nothing, raise your hand. Everybody right now, just think of nothing. And if you succeed, raise your hand. There you go, you can't. And what we're always doing is talking to ourselves. And on occasion, you're talking about another person. On occasion, you're talking about a circumstance. But most of all, we're talking to ourselves about ourselves and there are some truths we need to know. The first one is our self-talk always takes place in an echo chamber. Y'all know what an echo chamber is? Let me give you an illustration. I actually, I had one of these in college. I I was a music major and uh, they decided that for us to have good mental health apparently, either that or we were just spoiled, and, and in order to practice, They put a window in every practice room. No one's going to practice if they're in a closet and it is beautiful outside. And I went to college in the mountains. It was always beautiful. It was either springy or or summer and hiking or it was snowing. It was always beautiful, right? And so they decided we had to have a window in every room. Well, the only way you can have a window in every single room is if you have a rectangle with a hole in the middle of it. And so in the middle of all of this brick and concrete, they put a concrete floor and then we were surrounded by the mountains. And so you could walk out into this, hole. And it was an echo chamber. If you played a note, it would just keep going. If you sang, it would just keep going. I don't know if you know this or not. I'm going to share a fun fact with you. And if you ever win money on Jeopardy with this fun fact, you owe me half of it. But an instrument like the trumpet, and I played the trumpet at the time, can only play one note at a time. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. Like a saxophone or a clarinet, something you're blowing air through, it plays one note at a time, except in an echo chamber. You can go out in the echo chamber and you can play the first note and it'll just keep ringing because it's echoing. And then you can play a second note and it'll keep ringing. And this echo chamber, the way it was built with the mountains and everything, you could go out into this echo chamber and with your trumpet, you could play an entire chord. You could get like four notes and and it would be beautiful and it was all just one person. You see, the reality is our self-talk, we're the only ones talking. It's an echo chamber. The only thing we hear are the words we say, the notes we play, they just keep ringing over and over and over again. And since we're the only voice in our echo chamber and the only thing there are our words, the second truth we need to know is that our self-talk is always biased. Y'all are not saying amen to this one today. Some of y'all are thinking about what you were saying to yourself while you were getting dressed this morning or driving over here or something like that. It's never neutral. It's biased towards your feelings. It's biased towards your perspective. I mean, think about it. What we do is we we sit there in our head and go, I just can't believe they would treat me that way. That's your feeling. Well, I can't believe that person said that. How dare they do that? That's your feeling. Never do we say anything else except what we feel and what our perspective is. And the problem is our perspective is a singular perspective. It's like when I go out into the echo chamber and play a trumpet, I don't hear clarinets. It is the only thing that is there is the sound of a trumpet. And the only thing that is going on in the meditation of your heart is what you say. Over and over and over. It's the only notes that are playing and it is always biased. And here's the the problem. When we're biased, it leads to self-pity. It leads to offenses against other people. Matter of fact, have you ever gone through this in your mind and you've worked up this really great perspective and you've had this whole conversation in your head. It's been going on for a few days, you know. I, I, those people treated me, I can't believe they did that. And I can't believe the boss said that, no, whatever. You know, you get all, that whole thing going and man, you've just got it down. And, and then you go to talk to someone else and they say, hmm, I, I don't know that I agree with you. And you just wanna slap them like, How, what? How can you not agree with me? It's an ironclad discussion but it's not ironclad as soon as you let another voice in because you start to discover maybe your perspective wasn't all that you thought. Maybe what that person did wasn't as bad. Maybe what they said was not as mean, maybe. And since it's biased, our self-talk is always overly positive or overly negative. It is never just right. That was my little hint towards Goldilocks and the three bears. How many of y'all remember the story? She was looking for some porridge, and the first was too hot, and the second was too cold, but eventually she found something that was just right. Here's the problem with your self-talk. You never find any that is just right. It is either too positive. What I mean by that is you're making much of yourself. I'm not getting a lot of amens today, just so y'all know. <laughs> You know, this is where the pride and the arrogance comes in. The problem is, in order to make much of ourselves, we have to tear down everyone around us. So the self-talk in our head, when it's too positive, kind of goes like, well, it's their fault. Well, they're the ones that need to change. They're the ones that don't see how great I am. I am, I'm not the problem. Or it's too negative. Where we let condemnation come in and we say things that tear ourselves down. Look, and I just say, here, we do need an appropriate understanding of our flaws and sin nature. It is okay to be able to look in the mirror and and acknowledge something needs to change, like, you know, being on time for work. Maybe you say to yourself, I haven't been very good at this new diet routine or I haven't been exercising or I I, I haven't been nice to this person in my life. It's okay to look in the mirror and say, oh, I need to change, but here's the thing. Conviction from God comes with hope. You actually say, I can change. I want to change. But what we do is we usually have it overly negative, meaning we're tearing ourselves down and we're saying things that just don't need to be said. I remember all of my life growing up, my dad would always say, I'll never live past 60. And the funniest thing is right after this message I preached at the Thursday service, I had, I think, probably the healthiest guy in this church. Like, if I could look like him, woo! And he came to me in the hallway and says, you know, I, I don't think I'll live past 80. I'm like, Did you, what were you doing while I was preaching, man? Or we say, I'll always be poor. I'll always be broke. No one will ever love me. I mean, do you, do you know the things that we say? It's overly negative. Never just right. Be careful listening to yourself. And be intentional talking to yourself. Be careful listening to yourself. Be intentional talking to yourself. I I wanna add a dimension to this conversation if I could. Because I know somebody's just ready to meet me in the hallway and kinda add the point that I've left out so far. The truth is, you're never the only voice in your echo chamber. And it doesn't change what I've taught so far, because see, even as a music major, when we would go into the echo chamber and play, and, and, and there were some people there called jerks. Now, don't think of anyone, but you all know a jerk, right? And what I meant by that is when I'm in the echo chamber and I, I've got my trumpet and I wanna play like this, this beautiful major seventh chord, for the non-musicians in the room, Zach, will you help them out? Oh, that's just beautiful, isn't it right there, everybody? Look at that, yeah. And see, the thing is, Zach's got like 10 fingers and 88 keys, so he can do that. But for a trumpet player, you gotta have an echo chamber to pull that off, because the only way you can do that is if all your other notes keep going. So you'd go out to the echo chamber and and play play that chord for me again, Zach. And right when you hear that, somebody opens the door and goes, hey! And just ruins your chord, man. They were a jerk. Or worse, they stick their trombone out the door and play a note. We would do it just to be mean to each other. There's a jerk in your life called the devil. Your voice is not the only one in your echo chamber. And he comes to lie. It's one of his favorite things. He comes to tear you down because God created you. He comes to say all of these negative things. And so matter of fact, maybe you had a normal conversation. Maybe you are late to work every day and your, your boss said, hey, could, can we get better at this? But the devil comes and he whispers in your ear and what you heard was you're not good enough. Maybe it was a parent to a child, maybe it was a spouse. Hey, can we get better at this? And you hear, I'm not good enough. And that note keeps ringing. And suddenly you start saying another note. I'll never be good enough. And that note keeps ringing and you add to it, making a beautiful, ugly chord. I'll be a failure. No one will ever love me. You see, the devil comes into our echo chamber and he adds all of this stuff to it and we begin to tear ourselves down. That's why it's always biased towards our feelings and ending up with pity and offense. That's why it's, always ending up with overly negative or overly positive with pride. That's why we can never get it just right. And some of you would once again like to take the stage and push back on the other point that I've yet to mention. But Jimmy, there's the Holy Spirit. We could be hearing from the Holy Spirit and when I hear from the Holy Spirit, my my self-talk would be just right. And I would say, I wish. That's my wish for every one of us. My wish for every one of us is that we are mature enough and we have the experience as a believer, because this is our lifelong goal, to get to a point that as we are talking to ourselves about what we feel and what we've been going through and how the world's treating us, that as we're doing that, I wish that we could hear the voice of God overriding it, correcting it, reminding us of the truth, not our perspective. I wish, and I think we should all have the wisdom to admit, no one of us, None of us are perfect. At every single time we get offended and frustrated and, and worried and, and complaining that we immediately can hear the voice of God over top of all of that. If you can, God bless you. Most of us have to admit we're not there. Most of us, the voice of God is something we struggle with making the loudest voice in our life. Matter of fact, I've got people who will say things like uh, they'll, they'll make an appointment with me to talk about something. You know, you know Pastor, I've been, I've been praying and I need to tell you about this situation and then they'll complain. <laughs> you've been praying. I mean, you've been talking, having a conversation with yourself and you think the Holy Spirit was involved and you made an appointment with me to complain. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, go, go back and read Exodus and numbers of what happens when God's people complain. Or they'll say, I've been praying about this situation and tell me how offended they are with somebody. I don't think that was the Holy Spirit. If at the end of your conversation, you're offended. See, when you have a conversation with the Holy Spirit, at the end of your conversation, you forgive. Y'all are not loving what I'm preaching today. <laughs> See, when you're talking to yourself, you're not alone. And if you're wondering where the other voice is coming from, Just judge by the end of the conversation. If you're still offended or more offended, if you are more angry, still angry, if you are complaining more, that was not the Holy Spirit. And so we struggle. We need to be careful listening to ourselves. And then the flip side of that that I wanna end with is we need to be intentional talking to ourselves. So if you wanna talk to yourself and make sure the Holy Spirit is joining in, I think the absolute best way to do that is to say to yourself what God's already said about you that is in black and white and not debatable. For those of you that are here in the, the building, you had to move a sheet of paper to sit down. Those of you online, I believe there's a link or something, you can click to get this. But what we gave you was a list some of you have maybe heard of. It's called the 40 I Am meaning 40 statements in Scripture that God says to be true about you. This is who I am. We were singing the song earlier, I am who God says I am. You know what? Maybe sometimes we need to remind ourselves who actually we are. It's, It's one thing to say I am who God says I am. What does he say? Some of us don't know. So we wanted to give you this list. The truth is there's more than 40. I'm not sure how this original list ended up with 40. There's a few more than 40 that God has to say about you. You know, there are people in this world, if you've ever read biographies about people who have accomplished great things, almost every single one of them begins their day with some kind of self-talk, a mantra, a thing they say, today I'll be great, today I'll start a great business, or something like that. And I want to ask you a question, if a a non-believer can come up with this positive statement they can say about themselves that for all we know is not even true and then go off and do great things. How much more could the people of God change the world if they got up and said to themselves every day what God says about them, what is actually true? I think we need to be intentional talking to ourselves. Be careful listening to ourselves. If I could get the worship team to come on out and join me, we're gonna end differently today because... I think it's important that we do know who God says we are because that is the only way that we can combat the voice of the devil when he shows up in our echo chamber. You know when the devil shows up and says something like, oh, you're you're alone and nobody loves you, you can say, no, actually, I am a part of the family of God. When the devil shows up and says, you know, You're just uh, kind of a messed up piece of creation. Matter of fact, you're just a biological accident. Did you know that? You get to say, oh, no, 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 I am a child of God. I am created for purpose. I am created by my God to do things that the person beside me is not here to do. When the devil tries to tell you everything that is wrong with you and how much your sin is affecting your life, you can say, oh no, I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am saved, I am forgiven, I am sanctified, I am justified, and I am a new creation. Would you stand to your feet with me as we declare the truth about who God says we are? Joe, help me out, man. say I am chosen, not
0: forsaken.
1: According to uh, the latest kind of data in our world there's about two and a half billion people who claim to be God's children on the earth can you imagine what this world would be like if two and a half billion people woke up every day believing that stuff living it and when the devil comes and says oh no no, no this situation you can't get yourself out of you go no actually I'm an overcomer that's what God says about me When the devil comes and says that you can't accomplish anything in this life, you say, oh, but I am fearfully and wonderfully made for great works by my God. Are you guys getting this? Instead of agreeing with the whispers. We do have a problem today, though. Not everybody in this room or online can say those words. Not everyone here is a child of God. Not everyone here has given Jesus Christ kingship of their life, received what we call the free gift of salvation. You see, Jesus came, lived a perfect life as God in the flesh. And because he lived a perfect life when he was condemned and crucified as an innocent man and his blood was shed, it was able to pay for your sins, not his. And by the same power that raised him from the dead, you can have eternal life. We call it salvation. It's a free gift as Kent talked about earlier. It's free to us. It did cost Jesus everything. And it's when you receive the free gift of salvation, making Jesus your king, that's when you're forgiven. That's when you're a child of God. That's when you are justified. That is when you are made right before God. That is when you can tell the devil to back the truck up because you've got no place in my life. That is the beginning. And if you've never done that, I beg of you, change that. Change it right now. I want to help you do that wherever you are, online, here in the room. Would you all pray with me? Say something like this to yourself and to God, if you never have made Jesus Christ your King. Lord God, I thank you that you died for me. And now I choose to live for you. I thank you that I am loved. I thank you that I am forgiven. My simple prayer today, would you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom? Amen. Everybody help me celebrate with those people. Amen.